The following transmission contains unencrypted instances of explicit language. Uh, after that whole situation of the thing, uh, you know, getting bombed, I guess this is in between uh, where like Bill, like seriously, we get his scene, which, you know, is kind of obligatory, isn't it? Right. In, in these kind of infiltration movies, you got to have the scene where where the mole goes back to his handler and says, you got to get yeah. me out of here. These people are crazy. This is yeah, yeah. this yeah. is too much. I can't handle it. Yeah. <laughs> Mitchell says hell no, of course, because that's also right. part of these movies. And was it was that the scene where he's just like, I told you, impersonating an FBI officer takes three to five years. This is basically implying your service to us is gonna be the amount of time you would have spent in prison. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah, he hasn't ramped up his full pressure on O'Neill yet. Right. That'll that'll come later. Hampton, you know, when he gets out, uh, and I didn't understand the structure of this. Like, like he gets out, but he's still on appeal. Like, uh, in what part of the in what part of the justice system do we let people out while they're waiting for appeal? I didn't quite get that, but um, you know, he gets to see what O'Neill's done with the headquarters, and it's a good time uh, for him to like remind us that uh, people is power. You know, right. that's that's what he always says. Uh if if you got people you can you can do anything. Um yeah. another nice Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another kind of um, you know, one of these things that you know, I'm sure it happened. It's it's like part of the historical record, but doesn't really seem to add a lot to the story is uh where this BPP guy Jimmy Palmer it's the guy with the with the funky hat. Kind of looks like he would. He looks like one of the guys that hang, hung out with Fat Albert a little bit. If anybody remembers that. <laughs> oh show. yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you're talking the, about the really tall, skinny guy. Yeah, <laughs> and he's even wearing like a hat similar to the guy you're talking about. From yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, now that guy. I mean, movie's got to do what a movie's got to do. It's very pro Black Panthers, but. Uh, I mean that guy is a cop killer. I don't see I don't I don't see the justification of him going into that convenience store. No. I, I think I think he's I think he's over the line there, big time. I don't yeah. I don't I can't sympathize with him. At least from right. what I've seen what I see in the movie. Right. Yeah, no, not at all. Uh yeah, I don't know what to say. But I mean like we needed to get as many different angles and I think it kind of sets the tone for everything else going on. Yeah. Well, I mean, it adds to the tone, it adds to the historical record, but it doesn't trigger or change any of the dynamic or direction of the story. Right. Like kind of the same thing with the whole, um, you know, this other uh, George Sam's, that's the other FBI informant. Um, His story also just, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't move the story around. It's it's just kind of floating in there in the stream. Um, well, that's true. Other than they needed to show that there were other informants, I guess. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, just to show that. But uh, right. you know, it's not like like for instance, like The Departed. You know, right. very similar movie, especially in this in this specific regard, where right. you've got. Well, sort of, but I mean, you've got two guys that definitely could uh, make each other's lives 
uh, really shitty by by snitching on each other. And in The Departed, they they have since it's like all fictional, they have the liberty to make sure every piece of what happens like affects the story, changes someone's arc or their decisions. And right. here it's just like more for like flavor flavor adds to the motif, adds to the message of the story uh-huh. and is accurate to the historical record. I don't know. I just, I just felt like I had to like have my piece on that. Like this, this whole like middle, what I guess like the second act of the movie is just kind of full of pieces and, yeah. and, and they're not really interlocking uh in in a super sad yeah they're kind of like little side story they don't really support you talking about like it just doesn't support the main plot when i watched the movie when i watched the movie the first time was for our brush pass and i was enjoying some beers in that and i was mostly just kind of skimming the movie but i remember walking away feeling like there was a segment of the movie a good third of the movie kind of near the end that i didn't really understand like why the things that were happening mattered. And right. I just chalked it up to like, oh, well, I guess I just wasn't paying close attention. And I was, I was a little drunk, but when <laughs> I, so I specifically paid attention like more on my second rewatching to this section of the movie. And I was like, nope, you know, it's not you. That's just, that's, that's how the movie is, which, uh, yeah, probably going to impact my overall star rating when we get to that. Oh, let's talk about this, you know? Okay. So Hampton's, basically doing his uh, out-of-jail victory lap, right? Mm-hmm. He's back in business. Mr. Chairman taking the mic, <laughs> rousing the rebel. And we see Jesse Plemons, Mitchell, only white guy in the room, in a room full of very, no, very were, angry. There was a lot of other white people. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it was pretty mixed. Um, but yes, keep going. Yes, keep going. All I, I want to say, I don't know if it's plus or minus or what to say about it, but except to say he's got some fucking balls showing up to yeah. that rally. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I, I, I would say plus five points of, I mean, I don't know if you want him to be there, but I think you would want someone there. Right. Get a look at, because I guess, I mean, the purpose is he wants to see... He wants to, at least the way the movie presents it, he wants to observe O'Neill in his undercover persona. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, you got this guy, you know, working for you. You know, he's going in, he's coming back. You're meeting in a, you know, abandoned warehouse, you know, somewhere safe. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you're just taking the information they're giving you um, as. You know, it's just, I, I don't know, it's like a tablet, like the in the BC comics where they send the tablet like across the sea and back. Like you're not actually there in the room with him when it's happening. Wow. So, yeah, I agree. It's 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 plus by, plus by points to put someone in there to really get a look at, at I guess, to overwatch O'Neill. Not to over overwatch but don't we see that? We see that in some other movies too, you know, like, yeah, we've talked about this where it's really important to have spies watching your spies, your own spies, you know, right. if, if they're, if Just they're keeping tabs. Yeah. If they're doing their job or not, could they have possibly have been, um, 
compromised or flipped. You know, it's like when we did Ronin, like, why was nobody watching Gregor? Right. Could they be a double agent? Um, Right. Especially if they're working for you under duress. Right. You want that kind of intelligence. So, yeah, I'll go with, yeah, I think we're in agreement. It's plus spy points for doing it, minus spy points for actually putting Jesse Plemons in there. Yeah, I don't know if you want to be there, you know, unless you, like, got low on staff or something. I, I don't know that I would like if I if I'm the handler of this, I don't want anybody to see my face. Nope. You know, uh, so I'm going to put a guy there. I don't care what ethnicity he is. I, I, he's just going to be a dude. Like, I mean, I like the costume that Plemons put on for it. He definitely put on the part, you know, wearing the beanie and he had the, the, the clothes he was wearing. He did not look like an agent. He, he definitely looked like some of the other whites that were in the audience. But yeah, I don't. I don't think he should have been there. I think that that's the minus spy points. <laughs> There's another part that I that I also felt like I didn't quite understand. Like that. Okay. Um, let's see. Who is it? Who is it? Oh yeah, Jimmy Palmer is the guy that goes into the convenience store and gets gunned down mm-hmm. um, after forcing a confrontation with the police. Uh, his like best friend or little brother or something like that shows up at a, at a trailer of another party member. This is at one hour, 21 minutes of the movie. Uh, I don't know if you remember the scene I'm talking about. Yeah. Where he goes to ask the guy for help and the guy tells him to fuck off. And then he says, I just want to know what happened, like what happened. And I didn't understand who the guy in the trailer was. And I didn't understand how this helped the story along at all. And again, it felt like maybe something that it was just thrown in there for the historical record. I guess. Yeah, I, don't, I, I agree. I don't know the purpose of it storytelling wise, but I think the guy was asking for that dude's help because he probably knew somebody. But yeah, we weren't really told who that guy was. Um, and I don't think he, either of us did any. Yeah, the guy in the trailer, right? Yeah, it was yeah the the older guy. He was just like, "Come on, I want to know what happened," or "Can you help us out?" or whatever. And the guy, the guy in the trailer pushed him away, and that's when his gun fell out, and he starts calling the police. It, I, I don't really, other than yeah, other than maybe like a historical accuracy, maybe. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't see how, how it helped at all. After that scene, uh, we get another scene with uh, uh, Plemons and O'Neill discussing that they got to get him on something. <clears throat> So O'Neill shows up to Hampton and opens up the trunk and shows that he's got C4, that they're going to, they bombed us. We're going to bomb them. Um, and uh, this actually made my number three best tradecraft because uh, Hampton goes nuts on him and is like, what are you doing? You're going to get us in trouble. More people are just going to die. This isn't a solve to the problem, which one we got some, a little character development, of who Hampton is, he really is a believer and believes in, you know, doing the things the right way. Uh, but uh, we also get to see O'Neill at work where he's trying to provoke Hampton. Oh, are you really down for the revolution? Are you really down for the cause? And Hampton's about to beat him up. Uh, but it turns out O'Neill um, was trying to entrap Hampton with agreeing to bomb a building. And then the FBI would have thwarted it and arrested Hampton. Um, so I, I marked this as my number three best tradecraft was 
one, the attempt of entrapping Hampton by the FBI as well as O'Neill, like, hey, look, they bombed us. Let's go bomb them, you know, uh, which is like not only highly illegal, but having the C4, like this would have been a really big charge against Hampton. Uh, but also I wanted to mark it as great tradecraft for Hampton not not taking it. He didn't realize that he was trying that he was being entrapped. He really believed that no, this is a bad decision. This is not how we operate. This is gonna get us in trouble. This is gonna get more of our people killed. This is gonna look bad. This would be bad press for us. And it's just plain wrong to do. So no, we're not doing this. So I that's why I marked it as my number three best tradecraft. Um, but, uh, getting Hampton in prison apparently is not enough for J. Edgar Hoover. Uh, by the way, really great performance from Martin Sheen on that. Um, uh, they want, now wanted to kill him. And as I mentioned in our battle for Algiers episode, taking out the leader, uh, is not the best of ideas for like a revolutionary group. Cause now you just make them a martyr and, you know, it's not like it got rid of the Panthers in Chicago or in the country. Uh, they kind of kept going and there was still more of a civil rights movement and still quite a bit going on. So I, it's it's just not a good idea um, to, to, to just outright kill somebody. Yeah, I agree. But you can see the pattern that that was absolutely the playbook. I mean, Malcolm right. X, King, yeah. Hampton. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, they just kept... They just kept whacking at the same mole. And what's really interesting is I think uh, uh, Plemons' character had said to O'Neill, hey, look, the Panthers and the KKK are the same. They're a threat to the United States of America, and we're going to treat them as such. And he's trying to paint this picture to O'Neill that he's doing a good thing for his country and that the Panthers aren't doing the right thing, that they're in the wrong. You know, uh, well, what's, what's the hypocrisy here is the FBI is acting like the mafia here. Hey, all right, we'll just assassinate him. That'll solve all of the problems, right? You know, that's not that's not the way you do things in our country, right? Uh, but apparently, Hoover thought it was. Uh, so, um, I, I that's that's why I wanted to mark it as my number two worst trade crime. Yeah, how did how did Hoover end? Anyways, did he like <laughs> die at home in comfort, surrounded by his family? I'd love to have seen that guy get yeah. <laughs> held accountable for for all of his bullshit. Um, I think he eventually resigned. I don't think he died in service. 72. He died three years after the events of this movie. Wow. So he very Holy. well might have died like in in power. I'm, I'm getting there right now. Let's see. Illegal wiretap. Oh, yeah. Reaction to civil rights. Late career and death. Um, yeah, obviously, famously, uh, several presidents, uh, later claimed that, um, the only reason they couldn't fire him was because he had, he had dirt on them. Uh, Nixon (laughs) said that Truman said that Kennedy said, or, well, let's see Truman and Kennedy simply, according to wiki considered dismissing him, uh, would have too high of a political cost, uh, which could be code for he had dirt on them. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Oh my God. He was, yeah, he died in office. He was the director of FBI when he died of a heart attack uh, in in 1972, just three years. So fuck, like who knows, (laughs) 
Well, money and power can't buy your health, right? You know? Yeah, yeah, that's true. When when, uh, when it's time to clock out, it's time to clock out, I guess. <laughs> kind of maybe a divine divine intervention there. Um, I had a couple. I had a couple of things that uh, we we skipped over or missed uh, that I wanted to talk about before we talk about this final uh, assassination attempt mm-hmm. on on Hampton. Um, one of them. Oh yeah, one of them was back when. Yeah, this got uh, this got one of my worst. Let's see, where is it in my notes? Uh, this is where Hampton during his time in prison is sneaking trying to sneak letters out to his girlfriend and you know there's some tradecraft involved in that too you know with uh you know it made me think like i wonder if there's a good like prison movie that would make a good like a type of movie to do on this show because you know uh prison we're constantly like told and there's a lot of i think there's a lot of dramatic uh, representations out there of like, you know, people keeping secrets, uh, having allies, you know, getting, getting favors done for each other, scratching each other's backs. And, uh, you know, not every, not everything is like black and white in prison. There's a whole like economy, uh, like a secret black economy going on in there. And I right. don't, I don't mean black is in African, obviously. Um, but uh okay well here's what annoys me about this part is uh well okay they're intercepting his letters he thinks his letters are getting out and he's obviously he's smart enough to know that they're not just going to let him directly communicate so that's why he's got to go through this rigmarole of like you know concealing his little letter under his dinner table and clearly like somehow arranged for one of the orderlies to get it out which probably involves you know, an arrangement with someone on the guard side of things. Uh, but what they're doing is they're actually intercepting those letters. And we see Jesse Plemons photocopying them. So they know everything he's saying. And the girlfriend's getting nothing. She's getting an empty envelope. Mm-hmm. What bugs me about this is that uh, we see after he gets that letter sent out, uh, there's a reprisal against him, you know, when they're doing like an inspection or whatever. Like one of the guards just fucking goes at him, you know, with the nightstick the baton and it's it's really clear in at least in what we see in the movie that this is a don't try that shit again don't try to communicate with the outside world which i get on a let's beat him down psychologically kind of level Mm -hmm. but the reason it gets my number two worst because this is a classic easy to understand intelligence blunder just on principle, if someone is talking and you are listening in and they don't know that you're listening in, you let them keep talking. Even if you are, (laughs) even if you are intercepting the messages, Mm -hmm. you know, he doesn't know that you're intercepting the messages. You want him to keep sending messages. You want that Intel. Number two, worst minus five points. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. Thanks. (laughs) Um, the other thing was the, uh, as we're getting to the end of the movie, uh, just something I was, I was watching for from the beginning, as soon as O'Neill started getting paid, uh, for doing his secret stuff. Uh, you know, I was think I was thinking like, you know, I was even thinking Mitchell should say like, okay, yeah, I'll pay you for this shit, but Hey, 
let me give you a tip. You can't make it obvious. You need to take the money I give you and put it in a secret account somewhere that you can spend like, you know, don't fucking buy a new car. Don't buy fancy clothes <laughs> yeah. uh, with it. But, uh, you know, like I said, I was watching for it. At, by the end of the movie, I got to say, it looks like he's flashing his wealth around a little. He's right. dressed pretty fucking snazzy. Yeah. Um, so good, good catch on that. Yeah. I'll give him my worst number three, even though it doesn't bite him in the ass. And it's uh, and then we get to you know the point where they've decided they've uh, Hoover's made the call like we want uh, Hampton dead, and that's where O'Neill, who's you know resisted somewhat feebly mid through the movie, resisting a little bit harder when he realizes just how fucking dangerous this job could be. But now it's when he's really pushing back, and that's when Mitchell really has to flash his fangs. Put, it, put the real cards on the table and this is the really shitty thing that always happens when you flip uh, an informant under yeah. duress is once you've got them working for you you've got complete control over them because right. you could always use that against them it's like just it's that in for a penny in for a pound kind of thing yeah which was, uh, like, I, I gotta say, like, you know, in The Sopranos, when, when that dude's girlfriend got flipped and her whole story, like, I just, I, my God, I just, I don't think, it's hard for me to think of any television that has ever, like, affected me and scared me and made me feel so bad for the character as that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, yeah, it's fucked, but it's... It's good tradecraft. It's plus five points. It's my number two best. Uh, this actually made my number one best, but I, like I said earlier on that I was going to save some stuff for the end. Um, uh, I just wanted to go over the entire grooming and um, handling of O'Neill as an asset. Uh, at, at first, they used the compromise, the threat, of putting him in prison for impersonating an FBI officer, but then gave him like, you know, an opportunity to open and look, you're going to get paid. We're going to take care of you. Don't worry. Like as things were getting hot, heavier and heavier, uh, like you point out Mitchell's kind of fangs had to come out more and more. And then it becomes, well, we're not just paying you. Don't forget. It's still, you know, jail time if you don't come through for us. And in this scene where he wants O'Neill to pretty much poison Hampton, the threat isn't just, it's not just, hey, we're going to give you money and make your life better. It's not just the compromise of throwing him in prison. Um, At this point, they're going to make, they're going to tell the security of the Black Panthers that he's a mole and there's no way that he could prove otherwise. And they'll just, you know, throw boiling water on him like they did the fake mole that the other head of security guy, like, stopped. So um, I really, really wanted to get into, like, how quickly, like, you know, like, I think it was it was in this scene where O'Neill comes in in slick suit and he's, like, having a great time and he's smiling and Mitchell's like, you got to do this. He's like, I'm not going to do it. And he was like, you don't really have a chance. Like, it's there's no, I'm not asking you. You're doing it. And this is why. And um, 
I, I think the whole process of handling O'Neill was very, very well executed in this story. And, and I just really wanted to point it out. And even though it's really shitty and really, really fucked up and like really kind of heart wrenching, I did want to point it out as the number one best trade craft of the movie was being able to find target a guy who's kind of out for himself uh, and, you know, give him the promise of like a better life and get him, you know, climbing the ladder up to the head of security and then basically strong arming him into poisoning uh, a, a high profile target like that. Um, yeah, it's, it's really shitty. Like I'm not, I'm not praising this for like how uh, moral or good or awesome or yay. The good guys won. I, I'm really actually looking at this as, as how effective the tradecraft was. It is really shitty. It's really tough for us when we have to give massive plus spy points to some really, really shitty behavior, but yeah, you know, that's, that's the game sometimes. Right. It's uh, yeah. I, I, I don't like, I, I, I just wanted to look at like in the film, it's depicted very well of like the different stages of recruitment, you know, but um, yeah. I had some quibbles uh, at first and I had to do a little bit of deep thinking about the way that they uh, basically give O'Neill his final instructions, uh, which is basically the instructions to uh, poison Fred Hampton. He's not poisoning him to kill him. It's just going to make sure that he's in a very, very deep sleep and can't react well uh, when the real assassins come in. Right. Um, you know, uh, it's delivered not by Mitchell, but by like a mysterious, like pimp looking motherfucker. I think uh, he actually was a pimp. Yeah. I, I think, I think they basically, uh, that's another good recruitment. I, I think they basically were like, like if, if I wanted to, and this isn't shown on screen, but if I wanted to play this out in my head of how it would work, they'd probably realize the pimp only cares about money. And they're probably like, look, we'll pay you this to do this. You know, uh, <laughs> that, that's kind of how I want to believe it played out. Right. And I like the, I mean, I'm I'm full on plus by points for monitoring O'Neill. We talked about that before. Yeah. Um, at first I thought this is really the wrong way to set up this mission. Uh, this is a really important mission. The assassination of Fred Hampton. Um, and my first impulse was to think this is something that Mitchell should have handled directly between him and O'Neill. Like they should have had him at the station in a briefing room, you know, showing him the diagram of the map, explaining to him every fucking detail of what's going to happen, what you should worry about, how it's going to go down, triple checking that O'Neill knows exactly what he needs to do. And so I was going to give it minus five points. It bothered me so much that I kept chewing on it, though. And eventually, I realized that this is so far over the line for the FBI that maybe even though... Because I think it's a shitty way to to get to convince O'Neill to do the mission. It's definitely Mm -hmm. a shitty way to prepare him for the mission. It's mm-hmm. definitely a shitty way to make sure he's going to do what he's supposed to do for the mission. But on the other hand, this creates distance. Uh, 
who ch- if this guy O'Neill ends up in a fucking courtroom testifying for any reason that oh who told you to who explained the poison thing to you oh it was right. Mitchell oh who's Mitchell's boss this guy oh who told you to do that fucking J Edgar Hoover yeah. <laughs> I flipped entirely over and right. and I think at the end I think it's an like I said, there's a bunch of downsides to doing it this way, you know, uh-huh. setting it up so that if he en- ever ends up in a courtroom, why did you poison Fred Hampton? Some fucking shady ass pimp suggested right. it in a bar, <laughs> <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> uh, is is what you want? Is the what you want him to be able to say? <laughs> Right. <laughs> uh, so even though there's so many downsides, uh, I think it has to be this way. And I'm going to flip myself over to some plus buy points and even call it my number three best tradecraft of the film. Yeah, it's that's a good one. <laughs> that was such a great scene. Like, I, I remember we were watching this together. And I was like, Todd, Todd, you, you got to you gotta watch this. This is really, really important. <laughs> and like... Uh, yeah, I, I really liked how smooth the pimp played because there was like a lady at the bar that was kind of attracted to O'Neill and the pimp was kind of hitting on her, but he was like really scummy. Like he just automatically was like, hey, let's go upstairs. And like, like he brought, like he, he was just short of saying, hey, lady, let's go fuck. Right. Like, so he's kind of like sleazy. The lady kind of walks off and talks to like O'Neill and is flirting with him. She goes to the bathroom and that's when the, the pimp kind of lets. Let's O'Neill know who he is. By I, the need way. To, I need to hire that guy. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> okay, you know where I'm going with this? Yeah, yeah. When I, when I go to the bar, hoping to right. meet a lady, I need to hire this guy to go in and like just uh, like dirty the ground up for me a little. Make me look yeah. real good. <laughs> Agents, please report for debriefing on this operation. The director will see you now. Uh, I really, really, really enjoyed every minute of this movie. Um, there was some holes that bothered me. So I, I don't know if I can go with a five on this. Um, but uh, I, th- I think I'm going to just go with a four and a half. Uh, just as a story, it really got me, you know, behind everything. And it was, I thought, really well done. So I, I think I'm going with a four and a half. This I think this might be our, our biggest split. Um, I'll have to check it. But I'm way down in the 2.5 area, and that's for me personally. Um, I am super happy that I saw the film once. I think this is, to me, like a one-and-done kind of movie. And on that level, I would put it up there with you, up in the four mm. range kind of thing. Uh, but I don't think there's enough here for me of the kind of stuff that I like to see, uh, that I really need to revisit. Uh, there is just, you know, um, again, I think it's, it's all the disconnected stuff, the unconnected stuff, the, the, the plugs that don't have sockets necessarily, Mm -hmm. uh, throughout like kind of most, most of the last half of the movie, um, but it was really good, and and I hope it does get seen by a lot of people. Uh, so, Tradecraft, 
tradecraft uh yeah our our best and worst sure uh i'll lead on best uh yeah the number three the keeping the distance between this final nefarious act uh like i said it's it was funny because it it bothered me so much there were so many problems with it that i was gonna flag it for minus five points and then and then it, it bothered me so much that I kept going over and over and over. And eventually I thought like, <laughs> no, this, it has to be this way. Right. Number three best fucking for the pimp. Um, <laughs> my number two best, I guess, is the final threat against O'Neill, which kind of goes to the whole thing about like, uh, you know, this is, uh, I'm sorry, Mitchell threatening O'Neill. Like, no, you can't walk away. And it's it's always good to see this graduated approach depending on where you first start out on the mice chart of money what's oh ideology compromise which is what we have here and ego um no matter where you start there you can also start drawing additional connections you know like if you even if you started with money that could later turn into compromise and that could later right. turn into ego or, or right. whatever, but um, but compromise is kind of like the big C in mice at the end of the day because once you've started working, and they can basically just say fuck you and and turn you over to your enemies, right? Like <laughs> that's that's the ultimate level of compromise. So number two best, but uh, my number one best has to go to that again. Really shitty, shitty. But brilliant idea of, of having this FBI informant who also, we don't know if he got flipped. Maybe he did the murder and then they used that to compromise him. You know, you know, they would have had some heavy leverage on him. But uh, this idea, you've got a guy wanted for murder and you have right. no interest in capturing him because the more every place he goes because of his legal status, you instantly get a search warrant. Number one best. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, my best trade craft, my number three, uh, was the C4 entrapment idea uh, by O'Neill, as well as Hampton not taking it. Um, I thought I thought it was a really good uh, moment for the plot. Um, my number two best trade craft was uh, Fred Hampton uniting the Puerto Ricans, the Black Panthers, and the white supremacists. Or whatever the Confederate, whatever group that was. White supremacist. Yeah, I'm definitely cool with calling him that. The argument that he gives them, and mm-hmm. the speech, and mm-hmm. the ability to see that it's needed. I think it's really well. Really the ability, primarily, probably the ability to perceive their underlying economic, uh, um, like, uh, not that they are allies, but they are. Uh, facing the same problems. We have the same enemy. We have the same fucking enemy, you know, like, and being able to perceive that, especially through this barrier of black versus white Mm -hmm. uh, is incredibly perceptive. I mean, you know, and King, and of course, like Hampton is shown in the movie to be like, you know, absolutely drenching himself in knowing uh, Martin Luther King speeches and King was always about economics, not about race, really, at the end of the day, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and well, that, that even just that scene shows that. Like, he's really, 
Just trying to end poverty, it looks like, and help people that need, you know, especially from the area that he came from um, and the neighbors that he had that he was willing to kind of extend an olive branch to. Uh, but yeah, that's why I made my number two best tradecraft. Uh, but my number one best tradecraft, since it was the main theme of the movie, was just the overall handling of O'Neill by uh, Plemons. Um, uh, it, it Just from the get-go, hey, you're facing time. Well, one, they targeted this guy who's kind of like an out for himself, right? And he can handle, you know, keeping up a false persona. So just with the targeting alone, then going in, hey, you know, with the threat, we're going to throw you in jail, do this. And then he starts doing it. So don't worry, we'll reward you. Here, look at the life you could have. And then going right back and said, no, you're stuck here. Uh, you're not going anywhere. We will throw you under the bus. Um, I think the whole, uh, even though it's really shitty, I, I think the depiction of how a lot of, uh, I guess, flipping an asset or an agent works is is kind of was well done. But yeah, those, those are my best tradecrafts. My number three worst tradecraft was just kind of a private pleasure because I was like, you know, I was just like, as a hunter watching the movie, I was like waiting for him, waiting for him to like start wearing flashier clothes or having a better car or something. <laughs> and then when it finally happened, I was like, ah, I gotcha. Um, it's, it's subtle. There's not a lot. There's, I mean, yeah, we'll we'll talk more about it in Park Bench thing, but there's not a lot to super grab onto as far as missteps in tradecraft. So I thought this one was worthy. Uh, number two, I think, is solid though. Uh, this is uh, reprisals against Fred Hampton for trying to sneak letters out. Uh, again, I think it's a solid principle of intelligence at all times. If they're talking and you're listening and they don't know, you let them keep talking. Right. You don't. There's no reason. Either. Right. Yeah, there's none. <laughs> I mean, psychological, eh, maybe. Uh, I'm sure that kind of went into that decision of maybe just mm-hmm. trying to break his morale or his... Um, spirit uh, or whatever. Yeah, break his spirit. But again, that would be a massive failure of intelligence. Like, if you think you're going to break his spirit, like, you know nothing about Fred Hampton. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Clearly, you haven't been doing your homework. <laughs> Number one worst is, you know, it's an easy, just like this, this notion just fell in a hole and never got resolved. You know, that guy, and I don't, I don't know if it happened or if they were just, you know, put it in the movie to ramp up some tension, but you know, you have a guy in the crowns that has seen Bill O'Neill with an FBI badge. And even though he's not allowed to talk in that meeting, surely he would have brought that up at a later date. And it's like, it's such a, Man, that's it's pretty bad. Like not yeah. not as far as <laughs> right. tradecraft of characters, but of tradecraft of the movie. Like just forgetting a really right. important <laughs> thing. Yeah, my worst tradecraft uh, number three was the FBI propaganda not doing their homework on vernacular and making it obvious that some random government white guy wrote this. Uh, dig in. Yeah, it was it was bad. Um, number two worst tradecraft was having Hampton killed. Uh, like I said, when we did Battle of Algiers, you're making a martyr. You're literally just making the problem worse. Um, number two worst tradecraft uh, was 
promoting not one but two moles as head of security. Uh, I I, I want to say this is just the movie and not historical, because I would like to think the Black Panthers who accomplished so much in the country and worship practically worshipped Fidel Castro and uh, the, the, the white chicks wear a shirt. Uh, Chivara. Ch- che Guevara. Che yeah. Guevara. Sorry. I don't know why I brain farted that name. <laughs> um, they practically worshipped like Castro and Che Guevara. And I, I, I find it hard to believe that they wouldn't have learned anything about counterintelligence from them. Yeah, um, this movie is absolutely one of those one-sided fights situation. Like, there's not a whiff of even a thought of counterintelligence on the part of, of the Panthers in this movie. Yeah, whatsoever. Or like any like really intelligence like uh like activity. They they it doesn't seem like they're trying to get a mole into the FBI. It it, it doesn't seem like they're sending in or like they're not really watching anything, right? They don't even seem to the idea of their organization being infiltrated never seems to even pass through their minds, which right. feels uh, very, like you said, very inauthentic, probably yeah. to historical reality. And it's also like, a, I think, a missed opportunity for the movie to uh, be a better spy movie. You know, I'm yeah. not sure it makes it a better movie, but we talk about tradecraft in terms of just tradecraft, you know, like yeah. sometimes, sometimes you can have shitty tradecraft in a really good movie. And sometimes right? you can have great tradecraft in a meh movie. Yeah, like, the, yeah. the, the two are it's, disconnected, it's, and that's why we separate our park bench ratings from our star right. ratings for sure, right? right? Yeah, absolutely. How you feeling on park benches here? Do you have an opening bid? Do you have initial thoughts? Anything you start uh, with? My with? number one worst trade craft. I kind of want to start pretty low, uh, even though the handling of O'Neill was really well done, and just the, it seems like the FBI was like way ahead. Um, I kind of want to go with a three. Um, I, I really don't believe the Panthers were that easy to infiltrate. I'm um, feel I'm feeling you on a on a low initial bid. Um, first of all, like this is like the movie is cut in half between Hampton and O'Neill, and half of the movie is no tradecraft at all. Yeah. And then you have the O'Neill half, which is, uh, you know, got its tradecraft elements. But, uh, you know, our struggle here, especially with uh, shit that actually happened, you know, uh-huh. is always. And this is like our Argo problem where, like, the shit's real. There's not a lot to complain about, but there's how much of it is there really? And... I don't think I don't think there's a lot like what there is looks legit, but the the absolute lack of counterplay also like goes to my whole thing about like the I feel like you know if if this had been fictionalized more heavily, like there there would have been more interaction uh, or effect between like the the other informant, uh, the guy named Sam's and O'Neill. Yeah. Like, you know, and more impact uh, between stuff. I'm looking at our stuff right now. Uh, what did you what, Did you say a three? Yeah, I kind of want to start at a three. A starting bid? That's a, that's like No Way Out, Sneakers, Atomic Blonde territory. Um, 
yeah, three might work. Yeah, yeah, you know, because if we go to 2.5, we're looking at From Russia with Love and Man Who Knew Too Much, 1956. Actually, both uh, Man Who Knew Too Much is, and none of those movies showed us anything. So maybe are we being too unkind with a three? Let's see if uh let's see what would happen if we bumped it up out of born supremacy territory and up into a three point five. That would put us in company of movies like Spy Game, Samurai Spy, The Departed. Now now The Departed also that's a really good like uh one I think to compare here to decide if we're going to go with a three or a 3.5, because that's where we're at right now. Right? right. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I, I, I still feel pretty good about a three looking at sneakers, no way out and atomic blonde born supremacy. Right. Right. But I, then- I, I just, I want to take a minute to just like put this movie side by side against the departed, which we gave a 3.5. And like, I, like I said before, like there's a quantity and quality those are both factors that we put in. And so like the departed might have less quality, but I think it's got more quantity. Is that enough to, I don't know. Is this, is this just, uh, it's going to be a three unless you think we should put it next to the departed. Cause I think that's the best analog. I think the departed was, had much more trade craft in it to be honest all right i will agree with you on that and we will call this a three park bench movie right down the middle and that's the end of our show thanks for listening if you'd like to reach out to us you can find us on twitter at spies underscore like us visit us on our website at www.spieslikeus.net you know, find out about upcoming episodes. Also, what will really help us out is if you give us a review on wherever you found our podcast, either on iTunes or your Android app or YouTube or wherever you listen to us. Uh, even if you didn't like the show, just give us a review. It'll help us give us feedback so we can make the show better. And it can also help other people who haven't found the show yet find out about us. Hey, Moira, initiate Protocol 9. Protocol 9 initiated. This podcast will self-destruct in 20 seconds. The preceding transmission sampled the songs Ice Cold by Audio Nautics, Enter the Party by Kevin McLeod, and sound effects from freesound.org. Attributions and links are found at spieslikeus.net. Editing by Todd Hostetler.